I don't even look good in a hat. You notice this? Some people don't. It's okay. It's because my head's too big or too small. Or just <laughs> you just need, you need more hair. <laughs> I think we should keep this in, Jeff. By the way, <laughs> I'm shouting out Jeff from Studio Tembo, who <laughs> handles all of our editing for the podcast. And I know some of you can't see right now, but I'm wearing, and Jim's wearing too, the hat of uh, USS Pioneer NCC 74700, which is, of course, our ship uh, in, in the game that I GM. Uh, it's really amazing. If you want to read all the mini novella stories, they're available at Continuing Missions, which is the number one fan site for Star Trek Adventures RPG. And for those of you who can't see what's happening is I have a head that's really misshapen. And now for those who've never seen <laughs> me, they're like picturing something really horrible. But but. I don't ever wear hats, and so it feels funny on me. How does it look, Jim? I, I think it looks a little big. I think you may need to adjust the uh, the strap on the back. I think we have Velcro straps on these hats, so uh, might want to make it a little tighter there. But uh, um, yeah, it's okay. It looks good. Oh, I don't know. I feel like a bookie. <laughs> hey, don't, don't don't flip the don't flip the lid up. No, don't don't do that. <laughs> I gotta thank Aaron Paulier. He actually made these for us. He's the chief science okay. officer on the Pioneer. He's a Tellerite. He's awesome. His wife is on board. She's the best cook on the ship, and nice. uh, he he got these for us because we just kind of do that in, in our game. And mm-hmm. uh, the USS Pioneer is all about the Shackleton Expanse. That's actually where they're playing right now. Uh, and, and so, uh, Jim, why don't you introduce yourself for those who are t- tuning into? Continuing conversation for the first time and wondering what the heck we're all about. <laughs> <laughs> sure thing. Uh, my name is Jim Johnson. I am the project manager and line editor for Star Trek Adventures RPG, published by Medifius Entertainment. So ultimately, any uh, any criticisms of the game go to me. Any praise for the game go to the writers because uh, I will deflect it all day long because they they're doing a lot of hard work and I just kind of heard the cats, um, which is a uh, uh, you know. <laughs> a lot of fun, uh, but uh, I try not to talk about myself. Uh, I try to talk about more about the game and all the great work that the writers and the artists and the layout people and everybody else involved in the book that you have absolutely no idea about. And one of these days we'll do an episode about all the behind the scenes stuff. But uh, hundreds we'll, uh, and hundreds, literally hundreds of people. When I go through and think about all the different books yeah. and I look here just at the credits of the Shackleton Expanse book, mm-hmm. there's dozens here. But then over the years, it seems like there's been hundreds of different people. And yeah. I, I mean, as, as somebody who you welcomed me to the fold to do, a, you know, freelance writing, I appreciate that everyone gets a little piece of the pie. And it's just thrilling to know that we get the chance to do something Star Trek with our with the, with the franchise. Um, and it's equally exciting, too, to see people play these games. And one of the things people know, if they know continuing missions, I'm always begging to hear about the play reports because I love seeing how the stories turn out from the modules, how people are using the material in different ways. None of it's bad. It's all amazing. It's all different. And that's what Star Trek is about, right, Jim? Absolutely. Absolutely. That, that, is, the, that is the singular thrill that I get out of uh, doing all this work is that I, I get to kick back every now and then and watch YouTube or Twitch, or I get to see what people are doing with the, with the uh, books that we put out there. And it's just amazing. I never get tired of it. It makes me so happy to see people playing the game, having fun all around the world. I really crack up to, I think I told you, or I can't remember if I mentioned before, but there was a, a group in uh, 
Germany that live streamed playing two, two of my modules. Mm-hmm. And it was in German. So I had to call my friend who speaks German and be like, tell me what they're saying. Cause they were having so much fun. And I was yep. like, what are they laughing about? Yeah. Um, and so it's a thrill to see people have so much fun with this game. Star Trek mm-hmm. is awesome. And actually today we're talking about all kinds of different people. Why? Because we're going over chapter three of the Shackleton Expanse, yes. which is which is about the factions of the Expanse. So talk to us, Jim, about this chapter, an overview, and then we're going to focus on some of the really special parts of this section as an overview for GMs or people who are wondering whether they should get this book. Yep, yep. So if you haven't read, if you haven't listened to the first episode about our Shackleton coverage, go do that and then, and then come back here. So basically... The intent was to set this whole thing up as a sandbox setting, throw as many tools at you as we can, as many cool things at you as we can, as many plot hooks as we can, and just let the game masters and the players pick up what they wanted to and go crazy with it. Uh, so in this chapter, we we kind of give you an overview of all the major players in the in the 24th century. So this is the next gen era primarily, um, although we do certainly cover the original series in this book to some extent. Uh, but we were really focused on the the next gen era, which is where all the big stuff happens. Of course, you are welcome to pick up all this stuff and drop it into whatever era you want to. It's not going to hurt it at all. Uh, we I, I designed it that way. Like I intentionally made it. If you want this to be uh, Enterprise era, original series era, Discovery era, 32nd century, 26th century, whatever, the story still works, right? Just you know. Put it wherever you want to. Don't don't just rely on the on the way it's written right now. Just you know, have fun. Uh, but anyway, uh, so so there's a, a series of essays in here talking about the specific policies. So we talk about the United Federation of Planets. What's happening with the UFP at this point in time? It's still kind of 2371 ish, like the core setting of the game. So the Dominion is starting to be an issue in the in and around Bajor. Uh, the Cardassians are starting to be an issue. The Romulans, you know, things are going on. Klingons and Net, Klingons and Federation, close allies, good friends. Um, you know, all that stuff is happening. So we talk about the Federation. We talk about what's happening with the Klingons. We talk about what's happening with the Romulans. Moving what on. I like about that, yeah. and one of the things I like about it too, is I'm always thinking when I'm going through these books about players who may not be familiar with these characters. Not everyone watches Star Trek, but maybe they want to play this book. Well, now this gives you the chance, enough framework to say, okay, we'll have Klingons in it. And then don't get trapped in with all the canon out there. Just take mm-hmm. this base template and just run with it. So some really good write-ups for, as you said, Klingons, Romulans, Orion Syndicate. Yeah, the Orion Syndicate specifically, because we wanted to make sure that there was a, an interesting potential adversary or ally in the, in, in the Shackleton Expanse. And the conceit is like the Federation hasn't really delved into the expanse. The Klingons haven't really delved into the expanse. The Romulans, we're not sure. Maybe they, maybe they have a presence there, maybe not. But the, Orion, the Orions, like, okay, so this might be a spoiler for players and game masters, but the Orions already there. And no one really is aware of that yet. So this is an opportunity for the game master to get some sense about the Orions. Maybe a player wants to play an Orion. Who knows, right? You have that, certainly have that option. Um, so we talk about the Orions. And then, uh, and then what we get into next is re- like the really cool thing that I really enjoyed about this book is like, this is the first time in really any of our products that we had the opera, except for the standalone adventures, where we got the opportunity to really create something new, something new and different that you, you haven't seen anywhere in any other Star Trek property, whether it's a comic book or a novel or a, a movie or a video game or whatever. Um, I, I, I took uh, uh, Derek and Kelly and, uh, and Scott and Dayton and said, okay, Let's create some all new species 
original species that have that Star Trek feel, but there's no budget. There's no uh, there's no um, uh, makeup budget. There's no CGI budget. Go crazy. Be really creative and give me something really cool and different. Uh, okay, so I created. Good. Yeah, I, I just want to say, let's talk about who these four are, and then we're going to go. I want to, without too many spoilers, go into what's cool about them. Um, there's the Akeru, there's the Vinshari, there's the Kofaari. Kofaari mm-hmm. is that how you pronounce it? And then finally, there's Kofari, the, Kal- yep. the, the Kalmirans, right? And um, for someone who's actually already started tinkering with three out of four of these, having a lot of fun so far with them and their distinct personalities. Now, why I want to, again, talk to players about it, maybe you don't want to play Klingons or Romulans or Orions because they are canon. You've just been handed four amazing species that you can make whatever you want, and there's no conflict with canon, right, Jim? So that's the power of these four species. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. All new, different. You could lift them out wholesale right out of this campaign setting and drop them into some other campaign campaign. You know, whatever you're doing, like you can make it a one shot, you can make it a, a you know, enterprise era, like I don't know, whatever you can come up with, right? I mean, yeah. you can take these four species together as a package, like there's there is some potential connected tissue between them, um, or you can have them all be independent of each other, whatever. Uh, we just wanted to present more new cool stuff, and uh, and so we did that. And CBS, of course, you know, signed it off and said, you know, hey, okay, let's rock. And uh, and so uh, we so, brought, brought it to the to the table here. Yeah, and so like I mentioned, uh, for those of you, I mentioned in the last episode, I've mentioned it before, is you know, Jim has the dream that one of these four species will end up somewhere <laughs> in a Star Trek franchise. So everyone needs to root it on. You need to go on social media, talk about which one of these you love the most, uh, and, and maybe we'll see that dream happen one day. Jim would love that. Let, we'll let's let's start with the first group, um, the Akeru. Um, Go ahead and do your your take on them, and then I'll let you kind of know where we're going. Uh, no, it's, it's kind of unfair because I, I I'm the one who created the Akeru, uh, so uh, I made up the Akeru, and um, I, uh, you know, I, I I think after look, you know, I wrote them before I read the other three submissions that came in as the drafts were coming in, and after I read I read after I read their drafts, I was like, oh man, I didn't go far enough. I didn't go bold enough with the with the Akeru. Because uh, they're they're basically an, another offshoot of the Romulans and Vulcans, uh, just an, you know another type of uh, um, offshoot there. And I had had some fun building them, um, and uh, it's just an interesting species that I I really enjoyed pulling together. But uh, I added a couple of little secrets in there about how they're potentially connected to the to the bigger meta plot and the Tilakal. Um, But I, of course, we don't want to spoil it here. But uh, and I, the- yeah, and I don't want to spoil either because. I know you're going to, I think you're, you're going to go through and read some of my post play report and you're going to see, they actually <laughs> become a huge piece of my saga. So I won't give you oh. spoilers on how we're using them. Interesting. Okay. Well, my captain's a Romulan. What'd you expect? Right. <laughs> cool. um, what I liked about the species, by the way, what I have to say is because one of the highlights for those who maybe are wondering how to really introduce these into your campaign um, it, it, to me, it gave a chance to explore that not all Romulans and Vulcans hate each other. And then possibly there's a group who 
left and decided to do things on their own for the sake of peace. Maybe they don't want to be part of the politics of the Vulcan and Romulan empires. Um, they want to be exemplars. So there's a lot in here, Jim, of what you wrote, enough meat in here to show a divergent. And maybe even they met this other alien species that was a guiding hand to that. Was it for good? Was it for evil? Uh, you got to play and decide to, to find out. But definitely some interesting, um, uh, interesting species here. Where did you come up with the name, by the way? Akeru, was there any kind of? Uh, yeah, I'm a I'm a huge uh, ancient Egyptophile, and so um, the the very core underpinnings of the Akeru are grounded in uh, ancient Egyptian history and culture. Um, I had you know the dictionary in front of me and the hieroglyphics and stuff, and uh, just working my way through some of the some of the uh, words and pronunciations and uh, all that stuff. So there's there's a there's a um, uh, some some vein through lines of ancient Egypt ancient Egypt in in here, but uh, of course you know when science science fiction with it. I'm glad I asked. That's actually very fascinating. <laughs> now I got to go look do some of this research and see if I can weave some of that in. That's there you go. All right, let's talk about the Calmerans. What's your favorite thing about the Calmerans? Uh, just the fact that uh, the they're really different, right? They're they're living crystals, and I was like, okay, this is really cool. Like you know, Kelly sent the draft, and I read it, and I was like, oh, okay. And then I think she even uh, sent some sketches along or she found some pictures um, online of what she had in mind. And I was like, oh, I get it. Okay, this is really cool. Uh, something that we could very easily see on Prodigy, right? I think um, even uh, uh, you know, Gwyn and uh, Rock Talk, I think, have some similarities here. And are not similarities, but just some conceptually uh, along the same lines. And I think this would easily fit into a, one of the like the lower decks or... Um, uh, prodigy would totally Calmerians would totally fit into one of those settings without any issues so, so if you're listening <laughs> producers please <laughs> even just a, a one-off line of dialogue throw it in there <laughs> well, let me let me tell you why i like them too first they're set in the shackleton expanse right yeah. and shackleton expanse is a place of gravimetric ah, excuse me gravimetric and tetrionic eddies Time does not always work the same with, yeah. with all of these spatial phenomenon. And the Calmerans, one of the uh, uh, talents that Kelly created for them was time refraction. Mm -hmm. And I like as a as a GM, I like having an out sometimes. I, I sometimes if, if the timeline doesn't work quite well, sometimes I need a, a scientific explanation for it. But this is even better. I now have a species explanation for it so i can't go into any spoilers because of my group and all that stuff but the calmerans to me are going to be that that almost like the oracle i find that they're more the oracles of the characters they don't see time the same way we do so there's probably a lot of answers that they're sitting on but they don't even realize their answers the crew has to figure that out um definitely fascinating i actually would love to see a calmeran take on a come onto a ship we have a horda on board our ship so why not have a calmeran <laughs> oh, right. yeah cool Cool. So that's a cool character. Now, I have to admit that these are my favorite, the Koferari. Talk mm -hmm. to us about the concept behind these cute little critters. Yep. So uh, Scott Pearson has uh, developed these. And uh, one of these days, I'm going to get him on an interview or just chat with him informally and just find out, like, where did this come from? Because I, I just love the concept of, um, of, uh, of a, a species that is so incredibly smart that they can envision advanced technologies, but they have a culture that just doesn't want to use it. They, they don't want the technology, right? They'd rather do the kind of the homespun clothing and the, and the sailing the ships on their ocean. And like they can, they can sit there and like over a, 
Like I, I, I kind of have this. Uh, I almost imagine them as hobbits, honestly. Like <laughs> kicking back with a mug of ale and a and a and a pipe. Like oh, you know, talking like advanced, you know, super astrophysics and thermodynamics and stuff about these crazy engines. And they're like, oh, wouldn't that be amazing if we did this, this, and this, and blah, blah, blah. And then they go back to their. Yeah, their pass me an oyster. Wow. <laughs> yeah, pass me an oyster. That was great. Give me that. Yeah. Oyster. Uh, yeah. Honestly, again, um. What what you just talked about it was they're to me they're the ultimate RPG players. Yeah. They, they can envision so many concepts in their mind, and I'm seeing them again. Uh, I'm seeing them as being able to help the characters in a game figure problems out mm-hmm. without anything. But okay, yeah, I'm just willing to talk to you about it now. Now, will the players keep going back to this planet, which is pre warp in a sense? Um, to get advice from the Kulfari? Are they going to try to convince them to join the Federation when they have no interest to? You know, these people who have these big brains, but yet they're like, no, I'm cool with the oysters. I'm, I'm, I'm good. <laughs> so yeah. uh, really cool, cute characters here. And uh, yeah. they're basically the My Little Pony of the set. But <laughs> <laughs> I, I like But even, even, even with that, though, uh, Scott added a lot of nuance to the characters so that like they, they become a viable player character species if a player character wanted to take it on and do something really cool and unique, right? Uh, so I would just love to hear about someone taking on a, a Ko-Ferrari, whether, it's, whether they join Starfleet or they're like a, a civilian independent uh, expert on the uh, on a ship or something. That would just be really cool. Hey, I would, I would uh, Jim, you may have to just come join and, and, and be there for the first episode when we play them in my game. I'd be curious <laughs> to see your take on how, how it's handled. Oh, don't tempt me. Uh, <laughs> All right. And then, um, you know, all three species we talked about so far were kind of, you know, like kind of peaceful, docile, all that. But we know that the universe is a hard place. And so talk to me about the fourth species that was introduced in this book. Yeah. So the fourth uh, species that we came up with was the Venshari. And that's a that's a Derek uh, Tyler Attica. That's his, this is his creation. And um, I think it's just really cool because this is a. I don't want to say that they're, they're, they're the dominant species in the in the expanse, but they're certainly one of them, and they are they are quite powerful. And uh, they haven't ventured outside of the expanse yet, but they are they are uh, set up to be very much a potential adversary for the Federation or whoever else comes into the uh, into the expanse. But there's also enough nuance here that they could potentially become allies too, because uh, we we did um, you know uh, we were intentional about uh, factionalizing them a little bit so that there's the there's a, there's a there's an offshoot not an offshoot but there's a there's a subset of Inshari that are like oh maybe we shouldn't be doing this necessarily and maybe there's other options and they're they're on a kind of a divergent uh, path a little bit so we we added some layers here that game masters and players can uh, you know peel back and have fun with yeah i mean what i like about them again is that they are intrinsically weaved into the spatial phenomenon too mm-hmm. of the shackleton expanse it's even guided some of their worship um, which I thought was really creative way to create these characters. Um, I love characters who have some sort of also naturally adapted physiology mm-hmm. that can be in an offensive way. <laughs> and these these characters like, ooh, they're dangerous. You know, yeah. I'm, I'm not going to spoil what it is, but mm-hmm. it has my mind going like, okay, it doesn't matter if they don't have phasers. They're going to be just just fine. I think that presents a new challenge to player players and GMs alike. Um, yeah. I have to say all four of these characters have been weaved into my game. Um, uh, And 
they are not going to be forgettable characters and species. And they're, I'm actually going to have more fun with them than I will with Klingons or Romulans, that's for sure. Um, and so we encourage game masters, again, take these, make them your own, decide whether they're one shot, you know, first contact kind of characters or whether they're going to just be your longstanding um, allies or nemesis, you know, for, for years to come. But yeah. I think seeing, I, I'm curious to see how many stories come out of this. And, and again, send me your play reports because I want to see how you develop those characters. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah, I'm good. Go ahead. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I, I'm really excited too, because uh, I, again, I, I don't think I can, I don't think we've em emphasized this enough is that the Shackleton book was really the, the first book in the entire uh, Star Trek Adventures line where we really were, had the creative uh, freedom to make up stuff whole cloth and fit it into the Star Trek setting. So like if you have a group of players who, who know Star Trek, you know, backwards and forwards and are encyclopedic of the 55 years of history, you know, you drop one of these species on them, they're, they're going to be like, wait, what is this? This is something new and different. What, what have you done? <laughs> You're, you've gone off the, off the reservation, so to speak, as far as the uh, canon goes. And, and that's what I wanted, right? I wanted to give Game Masters and players an opportunity to, to surprise each other with something new and something different. So uh, I, I'm yeah. just eager to hear more. Like I, like, I know this book hasn't been out that long, right? The PDFs have been out for a while, but the books themselves have only been on shelves for a little while now. And like the buzz I've heard online is great, right? But like, I really want to hear some stories about people using the Vinchari and the Kalmirans and the, and the Kofari and the, the, the Kruins. I'm just, I want to hear the, I mean, I'm, I'm excited, right? Well, you'll, you'll be happy to know yeah. that, that the Akeru at least got one of my players to scream out, Soylent Green is people. So I'm not going <laughs> to tell you under what context, but they were that shocked with, with how cool the characters are that it, it, there's a lot of places to create cool revelations. And again, yeah. if any of you out there want cool ideas, I'm always more than happy. <laughs> Hit me up on social media. I'll let you know what evil I've come up with with these characters. Nice. Or good. Nice. I'm not going to say. It's either way. Yeah. Awesome. Okay, so, so that was chapter uh, three. I know the end of the chapter just wraps up with a little insight into if you want to use other common species like Borg, Breen, Gorn, Cardassians, Dominion, Miradorn. It's, it, it's in here. Um, just tips to start guiding you in the right direction. Again, Game Masters, my number one piece of advice is don't get stuck in the book. Dive into your imagination with your players. Make a story of your own. Any final words about that, Jim? Yeah, just uh, you know, certainly look at the the short descriptions that we provided a bunch of whole, about a whole bunch of other uh, Star Trek species, and then you know, feel free to add more of your own. Like I, I really tried to make sure to present the the Narendra Station and the Expanse to a certain extent, especially Narendra Station as a as a crossroads of of uh, like a, not a mix, not necessarily a mixing pot, but a crossroads for all kinds of species. So like if there's some really cool one-off species that you saw in an episode of the original series, you could probably find it. You could probably make it fit here, right? You can just yeah. uh, throw it in there, have fun with it and, uh, and uh, enjoy it. Yeah. And I'll, I'll say one last thing, you know, for 28 years, I played, as you know, Marvel, Marvel games, Marvel superheroes, the iterations of it. I, I had all the books. I had all the PDFs even. I never once played a mission module out of those. <laughs> Star Trek adventures. I can't, play them fast enough yeah and so that's i don't know what the magic is there but the shackleton expanse where i can't drive through it fast enough with my players so uh it's definitely for someone who's experienced and i don't need someone to write a story for me this has been a great uh jumping point uh into the shackleton expanse nice. all right 
as per our uh, tradition, I got to shout out our brick and mortar stores. Those days we used to go and play around tables with strangers just to learn games and explore games. Uh, the one I'm going to shout out today is Dwayne's World. Love the name in Kingsport, T Tennessee. So Johnny Karzai, uh, many of you may know him uh, from, from uh, producing fan fiction films for Star Trek, Farragut Forward, I think is the latest one uh, coming out. And Dwayne's World in Kingsport, Tennessee is where he parties all the time. Who do you got a shout out, Jim? Uh, well, we're on, we're on Shackleton. We're, we're getting deeper into the book now. So I want to make sure to uh, give a shout out to all of the uh, interior artists, all the interior um, illustration artists who worked on this book, uh, because they, they were the ones who, uh, because this book is so full of new content right content that we haven't seen on 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 star trek before so it was challenging to give them good references in order to create the the artwork for the ships and for the and for the species right like who knew what a camera looked like right there, there there's no photo reference for there's no episode where you can go look right so we had the you know the writers and i we worked on the art briefs to the, to to try to imagine what these look like and then we gave that to an artist and so uh you know, hat tip to all the artists who developed the art, but also to uh, to to Katya Thomas, who was the art director for this book, and who like took all of our stuff and tried to translate that into a uh, into a workable art brief, so that the artists could deliver what we had in our minds as writers. So hats off to all of them because they did an amazing job. Did an amazing job. Awesome. Good work. And again, I want to give a shout out to Studio Tempo. Tempo, you'll see them in our credits. Jeff Harvey is amazing when he um, edits these. We could not get this out weekly if it wasn't for him, uh, uh, you know, doing that for us, using his talents and bringing it to bear. He also uh, posts, uh, is the one who hosts, uh, hosts up us up on Podbean and puts us out there so that you can listen to us in podcasts and YouTube and all that. Um, he has STA Engage. I've worked with him on before. Oregon. That's another Star Trek Adventures uh, based based uh, podcast. So uh, always tune into to Studio Tembo and see everything uh, RPG related that he's putting up there. Um, next time we get together, we're going to talk a little bit more about those new species we talked about today and how you could model a character after them. So that's exciting. And then we're going to talk about the Tillacall, the terrible Tillacall. And terrible is not necessarily a bad word. You know, in the 1800s, terrible meant something really good. So I'm not giving any spoilers by saying terrible Tillacall. All right. Until All right, next time. As right. always, live long and prosper. Be safe, be well. All right. I-B-I-C. Take care. Peace out.